thank you for your giving. Come on with your Bibles in your hands. Let's do what we customarily do. Amen. Draylen, go ahead in the back. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I love this part. I will have what it says I will have. I am a part of Deliverance Temple. Where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me your word. Come on and make some noise. Glory to God. Glory to God. I do want to let you know I'm grateful for all of you who are in the building as well as those online. Amen. I love to preach, but preaching to empty seats, which I had to do because of the pandemic, it's not the easiest thing to do. So preaching to people is a beautiful. So thank you for that. And today we're going to talk about this. They'll bring the title up. It's simply this is artificial intelligence. Amen. So um, this is not one of those messages where I'm telling you that the uh, artificial intelligence is the antichrist and you got to run and hide. So if that's what you, if that's what you think where I'm going, that's not where I'm going. I'm not saying that that's not the case, but that's not what I'm talking about today. That's not my focus. I'm a person who likes technology and uh, understand artificial intelligence can be important. But as I was looking up the definition of artificial, um, there was just something that clicked in my head, and then, then you'll see as we begin to go. So let's look at the definition first of artificial. It says this. It says made or produced by human beings rather than occurring naturally, especially as a copy of something natural. You, you hear the term organic, um, um, and you hear the terms natural, but then there are things that are artificial. And so a lot of the food we eat is artificial. Now, you know, you know, there ain't no chicken that big with a wing that big. Some of them wings you get, they, they have manufactured and shifted and adjusted it. But I want them to bring that definition back up and I'm going to change it to how I thought of it, which made me think to, uh, give us this, uh, sermon. So bring the definition back up. Artificial made or produced by human beings rather than occurring supernaturally, especially as a copy of something supernatural. Since we are of the kingdom of God, we are of supernatural stock. Even in the prayer this morning, Brother Tommy talked about we are peculiar people, which comes from First Peter that says we are royal priesthood. We're peculiar people. We are a holy nation. In other words, we're from supernatural stock. We're not just any 
and everything. We are human, but we are divine because when we accepted Jesus into our life, we are both divinity and humanity. And so we, we, we know that because we wrestle with allowing the, our humanity to die so the divinity to take over. But what was interesting to me is how it says that when human beings choose one thing instead of the supernatural thing, and then they try to copy the supernatural but do it in human efforts. That's not exactly what this definition said, but that's what was in my mind. It's how we as human beings who are connected to the supernatural sometimes forget we're supernatural. Let me, let me give you an example. This, uh, I hope I'm not the only one that has done this, and if so, maybe just shame on me. Have you ever looked for your keys for an hour before you realize, why don't I pray and ask God where my keys are? Yeah, yeah. You're frustrated, you're bothered, and finally you sit down and it's like, Lord, help me find my keys. Then you find your keys, and then it, it dawns on you, why did I wait so long to tap into the supernatural? Why am I so prone to reach to my human side and I have this whole divine side next to me. Now, I understand why, because we live in this human body and we're trained in our five senses. We're trained in that, but we have to retrain ourselves to know that we have connection to the supernatural. So if we as Christians always live lower than the supernatural, I want to submit to you that you're operating under artificial intelligence. All right, let's go to Proverbs 3. We're going to kind of go backwards to what I told you my life verse was, and I'll read this uh, myself. And I said it became my life verse specifically for pastoring. So Proverbs 3, 5, and I'll read 3, 5, and 6 from the King James. It says, trust in the Lord. With all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Even when you lost your keys, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Now, let me pause and say one of the reasons why we revert to our human nature is sometimes the supernatural doesn't function on our time clock. It says he shall direct our paths, which it doesn't tell us when he's going to do it. It just tells us he's going to do it. And sometimes he takes too long to do what we want him to do. So we go ahead and do it ourselves. There are times where I did pray for my keys first and still couldn't find them. And so then it tricks you into thinking, why will I trust the supernatural if the supernatural don't always work? Well, let me put this up for you to help you. Point number one, leaning to your own understanding is artificial intelligence. Now, your understanding, I'm not trying to devalue your understanding. Some of y'all have went to school. Some of y'all got degrees behind your name and you worked hard. I'm not trying to devalue your understanding and neither is the Bible. It's not that you shouldn't use your understanding. And here's something that I must say. It's not really in my sermon, but let me throw this in here. I don't like Christians who check their understanding at the door. 
I love everybody, but I don't want a Christian that's just going to speak in tongues all day and can't talk. How you doing? No, I don't want to talk to you. You too, you too deep for me. There's a moment for that, but there's a moment to use your understanding. And so I don't want people to check their understanding out the door. I want you to bring your understanding. Because that's how we learn. But what the scripture says is the problem is when you lean on it. And let me see if I can give you this example. See, right now I'm standing beside the podium. And I can control myself. But if I lean on this podium and somebody removes the podium, I can't help but fall. Because all my trust is leaning on the podium. And if all your trust is leaning on your understanding, the moment your understanding fails you, you will fall, you will crash, you will burn. So the Bible says, don't lean on your understanding because your understanding is not as stable as you think it is. In, in my understanding, my, my, my brother, in my understanding in 2020, actually in 2019, uh, I decided to pay for two trips. One, a trip to Paris and a trip to Orlando. Paid it ahead of time. I was glad I didn't have to scrounge money. I paid it ahead of time. But in my understanding, I knew I was going to go to two trips. But what God knew, there was a pandemic coming. I wasn't going nowhere. Even though I figured out how to save the money and pay for it, I don't know it all because I can only know a part of things because I don't understand the full supernatural. And so I wonder how many things do we miss because we are not connected as deep or, let me put it this way, we're not leaning on the supernatural. Let me give you another reason why you don't want to lean on your understanding and it's in from Isaiah 55. I'm trying to help us. I sure am. Let's bring up verses 7 and 8. Mother Mitchell, you can pick up and read from here. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Mm, that's that, that's beautiful. Now, now we just celebrate Sister Christopher getting a master's degree, but that's like God saying, I operate on the PhD level. You're still in kindergarten. And so you can question me, but you have to understand that I'm functioning on a greater level than you are. And so if I don't answer how you want me to answer, when you want me to answer, I want to tell you don't trust your own understanding because my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You can't figure me out if you try. You, you can't put me in a box. The old saints would say he's so high you can't get over him. He's so low you can't get under him. He's so wide you can't get around him. So you must come in at the door. So you have to understand he's operating on a total different plane. So unfortunately sometimes we just got to trust him. Not only do we have to trust him, we have to trust the process. I don't mind trusting the process if the process has one bad day and five good days. I can trust the process. 
The problem I have trust in the process, Brother Neil, is that when there's five bad days and only one good day, it makes me want to do something else. But I've been in this thing long enough to know I can't turn to my understanding. So God, even though I don't know what you're doing, I'm still going to hold to his hand. God's unchanging hand. I'm going to build my hopes on things eternal and I'm going to hold to his hand. All right. So if you missed all that, let me give you an application. Here's an application. I say it often, but this will help you. Here's the application for the first uh, things that we went through. Father knows best, so do things his way. We can just, we can just narrow it down simply. Father knows best. So do things his way. All right. Let's, let's move on. Artificial intelligence is also known as what? AI. AI. Most people call it AI. Now, when I was uh, in the uh, late 90s, AI was Allen Iverson. But now AI is for artificial intelligence. But that reminded me of something as I was thinking about this. There's actually a story in the Bible about a city named AI. And I thought this would be perfect to pair this with this, uh, this idea of artificial intelligence. And so no AI was not speaking in the Bible of artificial intelligence, but it works well for what I was doing. So I want to go to that and I want to go to Joshua seven. And when you first begin to read this, it doesn't, I need you to go backwards. There we go. First, uh, verse one, I, I didn't put the whole verse up there because the first five words told me everything I needed to know about the story. Read the first five words. But Israel violated the instruction. My, my, my. Israel violated the instructions. So whatever we're going to read afterwards, we have to understand that previously, somewhere previously in the previous chapters, they were instructed to do things a certain way, and they decided to do things a total different way. Now, it, because it's in the Bible, we can go ahead and blame the children of Israel, but if we want to be honest, we didn't all change some of God's instructions yeah. for our own personal life. Yeah. God said, do it this way, I do it this way, but. I do it this way, but I had. I do it this way. Has God ever told you to forgive somebody, but you said, I'm going to forgive them, but I'm going to send them a text first. I'm going to tell them how I feel first. And you spend all this time trying to write it right so you're not offensive and it still blows up because that's not what God told you to do. You had to add your stuff to it. Now, now, every now and then, and Devin, Devin caught me, and she had to stop me, but she would be cooking stuff. I like things a little spicier. So when she would turn around, I would put some stuff in the pot. And it worked as long as it was just me and her. But when the kids came along, she was like, the kids are rubbing their mouth, talking about this is spicy. I'm like, I don't know how it got spicy. But I messed with the recipe. And I'm here to let you know, Christian, sometimes your problem is you keep messing with the recipe. You keep violating 
the instruction. Now, now, when you're a good cook, you can get away with some stuff. But some of y'all, y'all ain't that good to get away with what you trying to get away with. So you got to do it his way. I told you when I was telling you about pastoring, as a pastor, I can't afford to do it my way. We, we face too much, so I've got to yield and do it God's way. Let's go ahead and let's read the story. I'm not going to try not to interrupt you too much with the story because it's lengthy. So let's go with Joshua 7 and 1 and read it in its entirety. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. Mm -hmm. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things. So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah. I said I'm not going to try to interrupt too much, but let me add this one thing. It says that there was a man that did this, and then it said God got angry with all of Israel. Sometimes it's not you, it's who you got on your team. And so sometimes you have to learn that there's some people, if I can't trust that you're going in the same direction I'm going and doing what I'm doing, maybe I may have to disassociate myself with you. Not that I'm better than you, but you messing up the instructions. Yeah. Now back in, we got, we got GPS now, but back in the day you have to travel with a map. You ever had somebody who had the map who was giving you the wrong instructions? turn here. I turn here and now we are hour out the way. Oh, I had the map upside down. You can't have the map no more, baby, because you don't know what you're doing. And you got some people in your life that don't know what they're doing. You gotta love them, but let them take a backseat role in your life. They can no longer help you make major decisions. If every time you get in trouble, all your friends, it's like they say, let's go get drunk. You don't need them. Because some problems you can't drink away, you got to face. Some problems you can't party away, you got to face. Some stuff you can't vacation away, you got to deal with. And if all the time you hanging around me, you want me to just have fun, I love you, but you can't be a front seat driver in my life. All right. Move on. I didn't mean to interrupt, but that was too good not to. Verse 2. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Beth-Avon. Continue. When they turned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all our people struggle to go up there. They're not really that big. It's not going to take the whole army. Let's just send a few folk up there. Verse 4. Read. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. Soundly defeated. Verse 5. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries. And they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Ooh, 
you can get in some situations that'll melt your courage. But they were soundly defeated and they were running. They were running. Some people say, I ain't scared. Well, they were scared and they was running. Let's look at verse 6. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, huh? threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. This kind of tripped them up because this didn't make sense. And if you know anything about the story, they had just defeated the walls of Jericho. So there's no way they should turn around and failed at AI. It didn't make sense to the leadership. Verse 10, I skipped to verse 10. Look how God responded to Joshua's all his real churchy deep stuff. Look at what God said. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Get off the altar. It ain't the altar's fault. Listen, I, I know oil. I got this oil. I've been putting the oil around my house. Now, it, it, it ain't, it ain't uh, the oil. You can stop all that and start doing what I told you to do. Yeah. In, in other words, here's, some, here's something. If, if God tells you he's going to help you get out of debt, one of the first things he's going to tell you to do is stop spending more than you make. You can pour oil on your checkbook, but if you don't stop spending more than you make, you're not going to supernaturally get out of debt. So you can stop running around the church. You can stop crying. You can do some simple stuff. So God told Joshua, get up. Stop wasting your time and mine. Let's, let's look at verse 11. He told them what the real problem was. Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. And this is where we get the saying, there was sin in the camp. If you know anything about the story, basically, this was, Jericho was their first win. And God said, with the first win, I want everything to be donated to me. I don't want you touching none of it. So really, it was the consecrated stuff. Some people call it the tithe. It belonged to God, but Achan decided, I ain't got to do it that way. I need some of this for me and some of this for us. And so he did what he did. But sometimes when you do what you do in order to cover it, you got to lie on top of it. And so God said, we're not going to move any further until we deal with this issue. All right, let's look at verse 12. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. God said, I'm actually going to help you. I ain't even going to show back up until you fix the first instruction that I told you. Until you get back to what I originally told you to do then I'm not really going to do anything else. And so fix that, and then we've got something to talk about. Now, of course, this is Old Testament, and we see a much harsher God. But the problem we have in the New Testament is we have a more gracious God, but sometimes he don't just come down and tell us like he told them. For some of us, he tells us through people. He tells us through sermons, but we don't really listen. Some of us, we need a megaphone for God to say, leave that man alone. Yeah. 
Some of y'all, you need that because 10, 15 years later, you finally figured out, oh, I've been wasting a lot of time. I wish God would have just stopped me. But in this day and age, he just, he gives us leadings, guidings, hints, warnings, but some of us don't pay attention. So let me give you an application, a second application. This application is very similar to the first application. Father knows best, so get back to doing things his way. Which means at one point you were doing things his way, but somehow you got off. One scripture in the New Testament said, ye did run well, but what hindered you? What stopped you? What's got in your way? And here's the thing. Whenever God asks you a question because he's all-knowing, he's not asking you a question because he needs an answer. He's asking you a question to get some information through your mind. What is going on that's slowing up your process? Figure it out, and then we can move on. All right. So, having said that, I'm going to take a, a, a little bit of a turn. In these cases, we're talking about artificial intelligence in the sense that we have allowed something else to supplant the intelligence of God. And so the application is Father knows best. Do that. If you messed up, do that. Just get back. Just repent, get back, and you can move on. But what if you do know Father knows best? And you've given all that you can give and things still seem to not be turning out correctly. There might be another culprit. So in order to do this, I want to bring this up, uh, New York City. So me and my son, Draylon, went to New York City just over a week ago and spent some time there. And I told, I had told you all about it, so I won't mention this. I just want to bring up a picture to show you something. So bring up this picture. So here's a picture of me in Times Square, uh, 1540 Broadway. It says it up there. It wasn't too far from the Broadway theater that we were at. I took this picture personal, personally. So just stop and look at the picture for just a second. There's people behind me. There's me in the hat. I took this picture personally. Remember that. All right. Let's go to point number three. The increasing fear about artificial intelligence is the ability to make false evidence appear real. So that appear real. So that's the scary thing about artificial intelligence is they can have you in places that you weren't at. They can have you doing things you didn't do because they can take your image and your likeness and artificially put it in places it's not. And so that is a fear that people are concerned with. So I want to go back to the picture. This picture is real and fake at the same time. It is true. I personally took this picture. But the problem is, I took the picture with the camera facing outwards. I didn't take a selfie. So the image of me is a false image. I got an AI-generated image of myself and put it on top of a real picture that I took 
And if I didn't tell you, you would think because I was in New York that that is a real picture, but it's actually false. It's partially true and it's partially false. It's made to make you think that that was the backdrop, but actually I was looking out seeing those people. I don't own a hat like that. I don't have a shirt like that. All that is fake. It's artificial intelligence. Bring that up for a reason. That brings me up to point number four. I just said it, but I'm going to break it down anymore. There's also a popular acronym for fear, which is false evidence appearing real. So if you know father knows best, then what happens is Satan has to step up his game. And what he has to do is he has to give you real things to get you in a false intelligence. Ah, uh, let's see. I want to know how much. Let, let, let me, let me go to point number five. Then I'll try to break it down some more. Point number five. The devil uses fear tactics based on what you're going through or been through to introduce false intelligence to halt your faith. I'm going to read that again. I'm going to read it again and I'm going to tell you something personally. The devil uses fear tactics based on what you're presently going through or what you've already been through to introduce false intelligence to halt your faith. In other words, he takes something real that you're going through and introduces intelligence to trap you in fear. Let me give you just a little bit of, you. I won't say much of it because many of you know exactly what has been going on. But I have another funeral I have to do on Thursday. This funeral is a man named Pete Banks. Some of you may have known him from Muncie. But many of the online people know him because he logged in every Sunday online and every Wednesday. He was an online member, and we spent time communicating. He actually, when I got back from sabbatical, when I landed, he had called me. I had some missed calls from him while I was in the airplane, and he had forgot about the sabbatical. And he's like, are we having church tomorrow? I was like, yes, we're having church tomorrow. He's like, I know you need rest, but don't stay gone too long because I need a word. And then he said, can you pray with me? And I said, sure, I can. So I told him, I'm going to preach tomorrow. I'll do Bible study, and then I'll leave for New York. He's like, okay. Then he said, but are you going to be back the next Sunday? I was like, yes, I'm going to be back the next Sunday. Well, as I was traveling to New York, I get a text from his phone that says, this is so-and-so. He's gone to the hospital. Didn't make it out. Just literally talked to him. And this has been consistent. That I'm constantly dealing with all of this. And if I'm honest, mentally, it is difficult. It's difficult because what happens, the false, see, this is a real situation. I'm not making us stuff. I'm going through things and I still got to work. I still got to do everything I've got to do. And people are still calling on me. I'm on this board. I'm on that board. I'm tapped out. So all that is real, but the devil starts introducing some false intelligence. If you was a better pastor, this wouldn't be happening. 
You, you, you slipped up and cussed two months ago. That's why it's happening. This, that, and the other. And I start thinking, maybe it is my fault. Maybe I need to do better. And I, if I don't arrest those thoughts, what happens on the heels of fear is depression. Because what the devil does, he paints a picture that this will never change. This will never change. And then I press through it and I may show up on a Sunday and 10 folks show up. We don't always have every seat filled, but sometimes we do have a few folk in the building. Today we got at least a few folk in the building, but sometimes y'all all decide to go all at the same time. And here I show up, but I think I got a fiery word, and I'm looking around, nobody here, and I'm like, maybe it's me. I've seen people with bigger churches who can't preach as good as I can preach. And I'm not trying to hype myself up, but sometimes the math just ain't mathing. The numbers just aren't adding up. And because of that, the devil introduces false intelligence because he's trying to halt my faith. But I'm not the only one. There's times that you said I'm healed, but your body won't respond to what you said. There's times you said I'm prosperous, but your money won't respond to what you said. And so the devil introduces some false intelligence on top of a real situation, but it's artificial intelligence because what God has for you, it still is for you. And so you've got to figure out how you are going to battle. And sometimes the best way to battle is not real deep. Sometimes the best way to battle and it's going to rhyme is go to sleep. The devil's talking to my mind. I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to fight. But are you tired? Yeah, take a pill and go to bed. The problem's still going to be there. But but here's the thing. Uh, God speaks in dreams better than the devil speaks in dreams. And so some stuff, you just got to tell the devil, I'm going to sleep. I'm rested. I, I don't know how it's going to turn around. I don't know how it's going to fix, but I'm not going to figure it all out today. I'm going to bed today. I'm taking a me day. I'm taking a spa day. I'm taking a rest day. I'm taking a play my favorite music day. I'm taking a Bible reading day. I'm cutting some stuff off. Here's the thing. I'm not going to fight you stressed out. Devil, I got to fight you, but I'm not going to fight you stressed out. So I'm going to do what I want to do. Now, I just told you, you can't spend more than you make if you want to get out of debt. But I don't want to minimize the idea of retail therapy. Sometimes you just need to buy something that you don't really need to say, I may be stressed out, but I'm going to look good stressed out. I may be stressed out, but I'm going to eat at my favorite restaurant. I may be stressed out, but I'm going to the movies. The Bible says God gives us all things richly to enjoy. I'm not going to have myself so deep that I can't laugh. I can't have fun. I can't let my head down every now and then. I'm going to enjoy myself while I fight you, devil. Now, here, this is something facetious. Uh, I showed someone a picture. I actually have more than one artificial picture. I showed one a picture, and they said, it looks just like you. 
And I said, when you're already dealing with perfection, the computer ain't got much to work with. So, of course, I was being facetious and joking. They were like, well, I guess you don't have to work on uh, pride. Maybe you need to work on humility. We're just joking back and forth. But one thing about it, sometimes if don't nobody compliments you, you got to learn how to compliment you. Because while the devil is talking to my head, I still got to remind myself I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and I'm not beneath. If you don't know any scriptures, go back to the movies. I am kind. I am smart. I am important. I am somebody in God. I'm a child of the living king. I'm still here and I still got a chance to make it. And I'm going to praise God anyhow. I'm going to worship God anyhow. I'm hurting right now, but I won't be hurting forever. I'm crying right now, but I won't be crying for them forever. So devil, you may have me right now, but I'm coming out some way, somehow. Back in the day, we used to wrestle because I was a little fella. And invariably, somebody would get me in what they call a headlock. But I learned, even though I'm in a headlock, keep wigging me. Keep moving. And if I had to kick, I would kick. If I had to slap, I would slap. And what would happen, the bigger person would let go of me because I was doing too much. If I have to bite you, I'll bite you. But you let me go. Devil, I may have to bite you. Devil, I may have to kick you. Devil, I may have to spit on you, but you gonna let me go. Let my people go. You gonna let my mind go. You gonna let my money go. You gonna let my heart go. You gonna let me go. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow, but the longer you hold on me, the longer I'm gonna hit. The longer I'm gonna swing. The longer I'm gonna kick. I'm coming out of this. I belong to deliverance temple. I'm going to get my deliverance. Yes, I am. Bring all the artificial intelligence you want. I'm going to make it some way, somehow. Yes, I am. Look at your neighbor and say, yes, I am. Go ahead and don't use good grammar and look at another neighbor and say, yes, you is. Oh, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Yes, he will. But he may not have done it yet, but he's going to do it. He may not have shown up yet, but he's going to show up. He may not have fixed it yet, but he's going to fix it. So I'm going to ride the thing out until I get where I'm supposed to get. Uh, moving right along. Um, I love roller coasters. I actually enjoy them. I like it when my belly is up in my throat. I love that part. But I don't like the part of going up. Because at some point I see how high I am. And I remember, especially when I got in my 40s, I'm like, what am I doing with my old self on this ride? And so I want it to come down. Because when it comes down, at some point, the ride's coming to an end. The only reason why I'm able to ride it, because I know it's going to have some ups and some downs, but it's coming to an end. As Sister Kelly said, it's temporary. 
and even in Kings Island, the beast, which is one of the longest rides, it's only two minutes. Most rides are shorter than that. So what I really don't like, I don't like Ferris wheels. Because once they get you at the top of the Ferris wheel, they hold me up there too long. My feet is dangling. See, see, when I'm on a roller coaster, I close my eyes while we're going up. I don't want to see what's going on till we on our way back down. But on the Ferris wheel, I'm just up here. And what the devil is trying to tell you, your life is a Ferris wheel. You're going to get stuck in this position. You're going to be here forever. No, this is coming to an end. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the moment. The reason why I can stay buckled in this seat, because I know it's coming to an end. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but something in your life is coming to an end. Let, let's hit a few more verses and let's get out of here. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I sure appreciate it. Y'all helping me. Let, let me change that. We preaching because y'all are helping me preach. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, let's, let's look at how it says in the King James, very familiar, read that. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Yeah, I, I have a nine millimeter in my car, but it's been a while since I've even fired it. Uh, I got better weapons than the weapon that's in my car. I got weapons that are not carnal. But they're mighty through God. They're, they're empowered through God. Let's look at how the New Living says it. I'll read it in the New Living. Bring it up. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So that covers both sides of the coin. I said at the first one we started, I said our humanity gets in the way of the divinity and it causes an artificial intelligence. This scripture says we can pull down the strongholds of human reasoning. But then it says, and we destroy false arguments, which is the other side, is the devil bringing falsehoods at us. So either way, God's got something mighty available to us that pulls both of these areas down. All right, let's look at verse 5 in uh, the King James. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Mm. So basically, at some point when you get good at this, your thoughts become POWs, prisoners of war. It's not that the faults will disappear because I said this and because I preached this. If you've been struggling with low self-esteem all your life, it's something you're going to have to deal with. But here's the thing. You keep it as a prisoner of war. You can only go so far. Now, when I wake up in the morning and my hair is all over the place, my breath is smelling funny. Maybe I don't feel like saying I'm the most handsome and beautiful person in the world. So it's okay to be honest with yourself. And sometimes your self-esteem will, will say, look, you don't look all that good. It's okay to acknowledge that. But when you all dolled up 
dressed up, done, did the best you can, and you look in the mirror and the devil still tells you you're ugly, that's when you got to say, prisoner of war, you're going too far. I done put too much makeup, too many eyelashes, too much weave for you to get in my mind and tell me I'm still ugly. Maybe when I pull all this off, I'm going to be ugly, but right now I look good and you about to leave me alone. Let me, let me uh, I'm actually really close to closing, but let me tell you something funny that, that happened to me. First of all, what's funny is I, I picked it up almost as a joke because I couldn't believe I saw it there. So m- me and my family, we were in uh, Noblesville, and there was a five below, and my wife really don't like five below, but Alana loves five below. And so I was like, let's go into five below, and Devin was coming out of another store. I was like, come on, Devin, come with us. She's like, you know, I don't like that store. And I was like, come on, come on in there with us. And she was talking about, cause some stuff don't be five, you know, you know, that stuff ain't really that great. It's cheap. But I'm looking in there and there is a male waist trainer for five dollars. And I'm like, first of all, why is it here? But this is too funny not to pick it up. And it's only five dollars. So I went ahead and I grabbed it and I put it in the back seat and I told Alana to give it to her mama and say, look what daddy bought. And she's just like, really, Andre? So it was funny. But the other day I was getting in my suit and my suit wasn't suiting right. So, so I asked Devin about it. I was like, where the race trainer? She's like, you don't put that on under all of this. I was like, oh, okay. So the next day, I decided, I'm going to go ahead and try this $5 waist trainer on. Put it on. Wrap myself on up in it. And it was a little more uncomfortable than I thought. And I had me like a little, little t-shirt on. It's kind of hot. I'm sweating all up under the waist trainer. I don't know how y'all deal with all that. But, hey, I, I, I'm going to try it. And so, my, actually, it was actually on my birthday. I put it on on my birthday. And so I went to my wife's uh, job, and she was telling me happy birthday. And then her aunt called, and her aunt needed something done. And I told Devin, I, I'll do it. She's like, you don't need to do this on your, your birthday. I was like, no, I don't mind. I'll go do it. I'm just resting, relaxing anyway. So I decided to go. Now, her aunt, she has now developed blindness where she can't see. So the times that she knew me before, she could physically see me. And so we did what we needed to do. And as we were leaving, I gave her a hug. And then she hugged me again. She said, you done got a little bigger than the last time. <laughs> and then she ran her hands out. She said, I feel rose. Now, wait a second. I got a waist trainer on. And you still feeling rose? Five below, that's the end of you. I won't. Let me take that thing off. That, that, thing, don't, that thing don't work. So here's the thing. I can laugh about it. Or I could allow those self-esteem thoughts to rise up and make me sad on my birthday. Oh, my God. They said you got rolls. Well, yes, I do. Because I've been eating sweets and cookies and cakes. And guess what? I kind of enjoy my dad bod. I ain't 27. I'm 47. So guess what? I learned how to laugh at some of the stuff that's reality. See, sometimes the devil will try to throw stuff to you that's real. And what you do, you turn around and laugh about it. Yeah, that's true. 
<laughs> but it ain't changing nothing. I got some extra roles, but I'm still good looking. I got some extra roles, but I'm a still a good father. I got some extra roles, but I still got the activity of my limb. I got some extra roles, but my also on my birthday, I found out my credit score rose up to 820. So I got some extra roles, but I got some good credit. So Satan, if you want to talk to me, I can talk to you. And if I don't talk to you about me, I can talk to you about you. Here, the place I'm trying to get, you got kicked out. So if you really want to talk to somebody, let's talk about your dumb tale, how you got kicked out. Let's talk about where you going to end up. If you want to talk, baby, let's talk. All right. Let me throw that in there. All right. Let's go to 2 Corinthians Oh, no, so, so I, uh, the reason why I brought that up is because it says casting down imaginations. Yes. Imaginations start with images. So the first thing I showed you of, of the artificial intelligence of the New York City is I put a fake image onto a real thing. So what happens is in your imagination, Satan begins to give you images that are false. So you got to learn how to take that image and realize uh-uh, that ain't, it's got to obey Christ. You need to, you need to be almost like TSA. That if you go through something and that thing goes off, you can't keep moving. Boop, 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 boop. No, brother, get back. We about to check you down. Something ain't right. You'll never get delivered. Boop, 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 boop. No, that, that thought don't sound right. Something got to get checked with that. You'll never get out of that. Boop, 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 boop. No, no, no. That don't sound. Your marriage is never going to make it. Boop, 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 boop. That don't sound right. I got to bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I want to be like them evil TSA check gauges. That's all mean and rough. And I want to be rough with these thoughts that don't line up to the word of God. Read the entire verse of verse 5 and then I'll read it in the NIV and then we'll get out of here. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Actually, that's the NIV. So let me finish with the final applications. Here it is. Application toward the end. Satan knows the father knows best. He knows that. So he is trying to stop us from doing things his way by attacking our minds with bad information. Here's the other application. We recognize Satan's tactics as artificial intelligence. One scripture says we are not ignorant of his devices. And we use the intelligence in God's word to fight back. So you're not coming to church just to see your friend. You're not just coming to church because it's Sunday. You're coming to church so you can get weapons to fight this warfare. The battlefield is the mind, and the word is our main resource and weapon. Somebody shout artificial intelligence. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Amen. Yeah, we thank God for the word of God. We're going to bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, we thank you for the people of God. And it is true, we've all been in some real stuff. Realer than what we have ever anticipated. Realer be beyond what we have thought. And on top of that, the devil keeps trying to talk to our mind. But from now on, we recognize, recognize it as artificial intelligence. We know it's not 
right? And so from the start, from the top, God helped me to battle the depression. That's It's all my fault. Help me to snap out of it and push through it so I can lead the people where they need to go. God, help us all. And God, if we ever revert away from knowing that you, the Father, know best, help us to repent and get back in it because we're not going to allow the artificial intelligence of the enemy to bring us down. But we're going to move forward in Jesus' name. And somebody say, Amen. Let me add this. God bless you all. Have a great, wonderful, and prosperous week. In Jesus' name, you are dismissed.